Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Just Different Podcast, where we talk everything faith, life, and culture. Back again, another Wednesday. Today, we really start the pod talking about this past weekend, and we're recapping the Cove, the event that we were able to put on and be a part of. And then we get into the topic for today, which was inspired by a message I actually heard and listened to not too long ago, the gift of rejection. And we just speak to what it looks like to overcome it. And sometimes we'll hear, you know, rejection is just God's redirection. We can hear it so much. It sounds like a cliche. And it's all right. What does that mean? What does that actually look like? And that's what we really dive into. And we just conclude the cure to rejection is acceptance, but acceptance from someone who will never reject you again. And that's God himself. So we love y'all. Hope y'all enjoy this. This is episode 147, The Gift of Rejection. Let's tap in. Uh, but um, y'all, this past weekend went absolutely insane. Man. We were at the Cove Nashville. For those who don't yeah. know, we've kind of like helped um create and been a part of building a Christian nightclub for young adults. Now, just on face value and all the assumptions associated with what that is or what that could look like, especially from Christians can send you a lot of different ways. But our heart behind it was just wanted to build a community and a space where people can come to enjoy themselves, have fun, um, build connections with like-minded people. So there was no twerking, drinking, smoking, anything salacious or what we typically may associate a nightclub with. This was a space where like we could all come together, right? You know, vibe out to music. You know, we had food, refreshments, everything in between. And just get, we, I was able to meet a lot of dope people, like just amazing right. people. Um, it's always nice whenever you're like in that type of community, in that atmosphere, especially people who are friendly. It felt like Most it was definitely. easy to talk to people. Oh, yeah. Like everyone was pretty approachable. Um, right. and it wasn't, it didn't feel weird or you didn't feel out of place. And I think that was what we were going for, what we wanted for people. And I think we were able to accomplish that. Yeah, yeah, no, I I rock with it a lot. You know, you got to, I got to connect with a lot of cool people, meet a lot of new people. And I think, I mean, that was a big part of it. That's the whole, that was the whole point of putting it on. I think one of the biggest questions we get a lot is how do I find community? And I feel like one of my first responses I want to give is like, oh, well, where are you looking? Well, it's like, where do you look? Like when you're looking for a like-minded community, believers, it's like, where do you look outside of church? But if you have a church home, it's like, would you go to a conference once a year and meet people who live all the way across the country? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like exactly. having a, have, having, having a space where, you know, especially if you're local in that area in Nashville, it's like having people that you can link up with, you know, talk to, make connections with and find that community. So I think it's definitely meeting a need and it was cool. It was fun. You know, you have a fun time. You got food, you got the dancing, you had a little dance battles, all types of stuff. Like it was cool. I, I rock with it. I rock with it. No, it was crazy. Cause I, <laughs> I didn't see it. So like this was a pretty big, not necessarily big, but it was it was a good amount of space. It was a nice size. For venue. sure. So like you just see all of these people kinda like in the middle where the um dance floor is, or you could say like with the DJ in front. And I remember like at some point I'm kinda like on the outside looking in. I don't know if I'm sitting down or like standing up and I just hear some commotion. Like people are going crazy. And then later I see that they was having a dance battle and someone hit a backflip, bro. <laughs> someone did a backflip. I saw someone the video. Back, something crazy, bro. Like, what's that one um movie I'm thinking about? 
Ah, uh, I can't remember. Step up. It felt like it was. Yes, that may have been step it. Up. It felt like something from Step Up. I was like, "Yo, this is insane." <laughs> but nah, it was just it was just a good time. It was just yeah. lit. Like, I really enjoy myself. I'm not really, you know, I, I can dance a little bit. I was out there doing my little two step, Dougie. You know, you know, what know I'm saying, you know, you all that. Me. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to think about anything else. Yeah, but. There was a lot of anticipation going into the event. Like me and Jordan were there, like helping setting up beforehand, just getting the venue together. And then we you know we drove down, or at least I drove down from Louisville same day. And I used to play sports. So I hadn't felt that level of like excitement or right. like I don't know how to even explain it. Just like, you know, anticipation leading up to a certain event of what's gonna happen in like years. Yeah. So that was even exciting within itself, like seeing like the back end pov getting stuff together um then of course i've seen everybody like come in so it was live and then at the end we had like someone come and like just present the gospel and just like have opportunity for people to like get in groups pray for one another yeah. intercede and all of that so you know undeniably god was there his hands been on this to even send it to where it's at we dang near almost sold out which is crazy to think about yeah. so it was just a great time. So the code was coming near you soon to your city at some point. We're definitely hoping to take this like on a road, do a little like tour. Um, hopefully yeah. next year, who knows? We're going to take it. But first event, definitely a success. Um, and we got to meet a lot of the people who listen to the pod, like a few people oh, yeah. that were there, supported, tapped in. So we love y'all so much. I said this at the end of the last episode, but it's really love. Like we appreciate y'all like continuing to like rock with us. like. We can go on, I guess, three years at this point, which is insane. We got people like that have been here since the beginning, OGs. Um, and it's always dope just to meet y'all. And then we've literally all year been like going back and forth and planning what it looks like to be able to like, connect with you all like more and go deeper. That's something that like I've been thinking about and definitely want to do. Um, and we've been able to like figure out. So more news on that soon, especially going into next year, just having a place where like we can connect, like have conversations get closer with you all outside the pod. But yeah. So the Cove, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, man. Recommend. For sure. Oh, yeah. Easily. So now getting into what we wanted to talk about today, the gift of rejection. I actually, I don't know what I was doing. I was scrolling through YouTube and I saw a message. It was by Nona Jones, I believe her name was. And I just saw this video had essentially gone viral. And of course, the name just like struck me. It was so yeah. fire. I was like, yo, I, I need to tap in and listen to this. So a lot of this was kind of inspired from that message that I saw and eventually tapped in and listened to. And, and it's interesting because, of course, like when you think about the idea of like rejection and in the context of the title even being like the gift of rejection is almost like an oxymoron. It's, it's contradictory. How can these two coexist and or be in one particular sentence or idea when we think about the pain, the hurt, discouragement associated with rejection itself, then the idea that it can be a gift, something that's given to you that is like right. good, can be to your benefit and add to your life. Doesn't even like add up or like make sense on the surface, but a lot of times, sometimes we'll hear that, okay, like, rejection which is like god's redirection and i think that's sometimes like or is almost the idea here in a lot of different sense and that's something i've always heard 
and not always recognized, really seen, or just have thought it was a cliche. But when I was thinking back on in my own life where I felt this idea of rejection awareness come up and the subsequent things that happen after, like in hindsight, it makes sense of like, oh, okay, I see how this did work out and play to my benefit. And I think this is important because I guess the severity of like rejection, what it can do, what it leaves us with and how that can affect everything we kind of walk in going forward, especially like in our lives, if it happens or takes place at a young age, because of course, to experience like rejection, there must first be a hope to be accepted. And like what hurts so much about rejection is the fact that it is intentional, right? Like you don't just haphazardly or by mistake and or just on the whim, like look at someone and walk out or see and acknowledge them and decide not to pick them and or recognize their worth or who they are. And so whether that be our like our friends or family or those who are close closest to us that decides like walk out or turn you know a blind eye or not see us um it usually causes us like to question a lot about ourselves doubt our future who we are like yo like what was it about me what did i do wrong what could i have done better and just kind of sends us in the spiral and whenever i was thinking of rejection initially it was <laughs> i honestly went and it like first to just like getting dubbed like uh whenever yeah. right no for real like usually you know whenever you have a romantic interest somebody you're you know. pursuing right, right you trying to you know holla at whatever it is and they're not feeling you or you know you ask them to be like your girlfriend and you want them to be your boyfriend and it's like ah nah like i'm right. good and or you like someone they like you back because i was trying to think of like my earliest memory or um moments of rejection and the only thing i could think of was like in sixth grade there's been like two times that i got dubbed bad and one of them was i mentioned on the podcast was in fifth grade i came home from the dentist i was dating this girl homie comes up to me in a computer class holla about some nah bro she don't want you no more she broke up with (laughs) you heart broke bro it was vicious like that's a wicked like (laughs) and i saw her after the class too we walked past each other i was out bro that was that was nuts in sixth grade um something similar happened to i basically got ghosted it was wild right <laughs> it was wicked bro and during oh, the time man. that was a big deal but you know even oh, when i was thinking man. about that i was like nah like that that ain't the one that ain't one that really hit i can laugh at that now and literally when i was preparing yesterday for the episode it came to my mind whenever i was in high school my sophomore year i was playing basketball and this was a huge part of my identity what I invested my time into and what really validated me. That was one of the biggest moments I can remember at times where I experienced like rejection because I wanted the validation, recognition, and that respect from my coach so much. I wanted the head nod. I wanted him to acknowledge me, see me for the talent that I had and give me a chance. And whenever that wasn't reciprocated or I didn't, that wasn't felt, it left me almost depressed like I didn't know who I was it's like okay like why am I not being like chosen like seen just like even like recognized or acknowledged to any extent for what what I know I'm bringing to the table or what I know I am on the work that I'm putting in and when I was thinking through all of that I was like oh okay like 
because I was like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to speak to this. Cause I was like, have I ever really experienced it? And like when that came yeah. to my mind, it just made so much sense. And so it made me like spiral questioning like my identity and then essentially made that person or rather the coach in the situation an idol. Because from that point, all of my effort or my ambition was in hopes to prove them wrong. Like right. I wanted to be seen. And so all of me and who I was and my attention was, how can I perform more? What can I do to make sure that they, oh no, they can see it now. They can see me now. And so from all of that in that particular season, when I was thinking about it, one thing that I've had to learn and I'm like, <clears throat> so when I was thinking through that situation that I went through, one thing that I learned then is just, it's the fact that just because people have looked over you doesn't mean that God does. Like naturally our emotions like will have us like focus so much on who left us or who neglected mm -hmm. us that we f actually forget who stayed and who's been there the entire time. Right. And what I've had to reorient like my own perspective to thinking is understanding that God sees all and he rewards accordingly. Right. I think sometimes we speak to that in terms of he's going to judge all evil right? Like in time with justice and righteousness, but he also yeah. does that with the diligence that we have and the gifts uh, that he's given us and all the things that may be overlooked here that he always sees. And it talks about this in Proverbs fifteen three, which is a verse that I found. It just says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So recently the episode about vengeance and how revenge is yeah. God's and he's going to repay right. people for that. But on the other side of that conversation is everything we feel is overlooked, right? In our um, valley, when we're out in the field, in our own pasture, God sees and is always going to reward us in time. Yeah. And then there was something else that someone recently shared with me that I thought almost related, but it says, well, the wealth of the wicked loses its power at death and the rewards for the godly take on eternal value. What seems like wealth is now waste and what seemed worthless now lasts forever. And that's in the context of sometimes we can get in modes where we're looking at people who are in the world in secular spaces who have success and are gaining right. all of this notoriety or just accolades and moving up in levels on the outside looking in and what we do in terms of our consecration, like our sacrifice, our fasting may not seem like anything, but it makes clear that the wealth of the wicked loses its power at death and what seemed worthless now lasts forever. I think that just plays deeper into the part of like what may seem in vain, what may seem like can't be used for our good or what's right. going to be rewarded or recognized. God is going to, and it's a part of his promise. So even with rejection of like, all right, like how can this be used for his glory? All of this hurt, all this pain, shame, discouragement that I feel, he can use that as well. And then anything we feel like we haven't been acknowledged in properly, like he always yeah. sees. And so I thought that just tied that in. Oh yeah, most definitely. And I was, because uh, this really just came to mind when you were talking about your, your experience in high school. And some, this is kind of like a side note, but something that I've noticed, which is so crazy, is like ev almost every time I share my testimony again, God kind of reveals something new to me about it that I didn't necessarily recognize or notice beforehand. So very recently, I was sharing my testimony um, with someone and God had showed me how 
a lot of the low self-esteem that I struggled with. I mean, even maybe up until recently and kind of still struggle with um, stems from a moment that I got rejected. And this is something I've talked about in the podcast before, but a part of my testimony is I saw a lot of validation from women and like relationships like that. That was who I was like I, before I found God and rooted my identity in who he made me to be. It was like I went from relationship to relationship and it was like that person was like my idol. I gave them my everything. I gave them all my love, my attention, my time, et cetera. And I had gotten to this relationship, um, eighth grade, like, and then into freshman year. And uh, freshman year, she broke up with me, like the girl I was with. And I like heard a bunch of rumors about how she was talking to this dude, like immediately after, like we broke up. And I, it's so weird because I think you sort of kind of blot out certain stuff because you just don't want to think about it. Um, so. I think this was like that, but looking back on it, like that really did hurt me so much. And I, I don't think I even recognized it at the time, but like to the point where, like I said, this is one of those things I didn't even recognize till I really had to sit with myself and think on it. Like I would, we didn't have any classes luckily, but like, bro, when I would see her in the hallways, like I would get like sick to my stomach. Like that's how bad it like hurt my feelings. Like real talk. Like anytime I saw her, which wasn't frequently cause I didn't have any classes with her, but anytime I saw her, I'm like, bro, like all these type of emotions and everything. And God showed me like that rejection led to so much low self-esteem and how and the reason why is because like you know this this person that you know i chose the person that i wanted didn't want me back like sort of kind of like you know your your situation um with your coach is like you were seeking validation and you were like yo like you, you wanted that and you didn't get it and it was kind of like that that same type of um scenario with, with, with my situation too it was like this person i wanted didn't want me back and didn't choose me and I think through through that and like, you know, even now walking through all of that with God is recognizing that God always chose me. I think that that's something else. It's something that you spoke to as well. Like God sees you and God chose you, which is like very imperative to understand because it's like, hmm, if, if you're always chosen by God, are you are you ever really rejected? If you're If you're chosen by the one who literally has everything subjected under his feet, like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, spoke this world into existence. He chose you while you were a sinner and still chooses you when you don't choose him. It's like, if if you're chosen by him, are you really ever rejected? And I think that's something that I had to get to the to, to the point where, where I understood. So it's like, I'm always accepted in a sense, even if, you know, I get this job and they don't want me or I, I do this and they don't want me. It's like, God, God chose me. And I think that was a that, that was a thought process that I really had to remain rooted in and it helped me so much because even recently i'm thinking about um when i was applying to a bunch of jobs like maybe you know five months ago and i remember like i was applying to so many jobs three four or five jobs and none of them even reached back out to me and i was like I, man in the <laughs> good, past good, good this <laughs> yeah that's hate bro that's hate <laughs> that's hate but i was really still with myself in that moment i'm like dang in the past this probably would have like had me tight or like bent out of shape but i'm like i'm not even tripping that they didn't reach out to me and the reason why is because i I recognize like i'm chosen by god so it's like i i don't even really see this as rejection for real like i'm i know who i'm chosen by so i think that was a big part of it as well and when i was sitting down and you know getting ready for this episode and thinking about you know what i wanted to speak to the first thing that came to mind was the gospel and I literally wrote down, I said, if the work of the cross is a gift, then rejection must also be one as well. And the reason why is because when you're looking at the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross, 
he had to be rejected by the very same people that he came to save, right? He got rejected by them when they came, right? He was the person that he that was prophesied throughout the entire Old Testament, the people that the person that the Jews were waiting for, the chosen one, the Messiah, right? He comes and the embodiment of everything they've been they've been waiting for and they reject him and they literally put him on the cross. Like, yes, it was Pilate that made the final decision, but they were egging it on. They they were the ones that did it. So they rejected him. He died on the cross for our sins. So it was like, you can't have one without the other. You can't have his death, burial, and resurrection without the rejection first. So if what he did on the cross is a gift, then rejection must be also. Like when I recognize that, I'm like, yo, like that's such a perspective change. Like, and even thinking about that, like I've been rejected before, but it's like, yo, he came and was rejected and had to die. You know what I mean? And how, you know, the, the, the important role that rejection played. Um, and even deeper than that, I was also reading in Romans and just kind of keeping in the same vein of like the importance of rejection. It also talks about in Romans 11, it talks about this whole dynamic of how, you know, they, they rejected Jesus, but the Jew, the Jewish people had to be, or I, I guess, you know, the Israelites by lineage had to be rejected so that we could be grafted in. And I'm going to read the verse in Romans 11, 19, it says, then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. And read, I'm going to um, prompt all of you guys to go read that in Romans 11, but it's talking about, like I said, this whole concept of how the rejection of, you know, it, it well, it talks about the um, symbolism of a tree and branches and how some of the branches had to be cut off so that we could be grafted in, right, as Gentiles, essentially. So that is another you know, thing in the Bible that points to the importance of rejection. It was like by their rejection, we were accepted. And then it also goes on to say in Romans 11, how if they turn away from their disobedience, they will also be grafted in as well. But I don't know, just, just recognizing that rejection. Well, I've said this before on the podcast, like you don't title or label something for what it is, but the product of it. And all of these times in the Bible, like rejection led to something greater, right? Rejection led to other people's acceptance. Rejection led to life. You know what I mean? So, I mean, even Judas, like that rejection on top of um, Jesus being crucified, that rejection led to that as well. So it's like looking at rejection for what it really is. It's redirecting you, like you said, towards God's will, right? And exactly. Getting to the point where, you know, uh, time after time, no matter like the severity or the weight of even like the pain that like is experienced, knowing that it's something that God can still use. Um, it, it's not wasted and exactly. it's not anything that can't be like redeemed. Or, and sometimes I think we have to realize that this isn't linear either. I think when we talk about God closing one door right. for there to be another that's open, that mm -hmm. it always makes sense in time or in a particular moment, mm -hmm. especially when we're feeling all the emotions and the trauma or experience right. of it. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Because that's real talk. <laughs> it sometimes you don't know, like you have no idea, like at all. no, exactly. And you and you never do. And like sometimes there are things, you know, when we're talking about people who walk out, when we talk about, you know, we're talking about people that we wanted to accept us, but in in in, in scenarios or situations where let's think about parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like people who were supposed to accept us 
if there was anyone who was supposed to love us, acknowledge us, recognize us, and they're the ones that not do it, that's a whole different level of that. Yeah, so it's like, exactly. how does that even point me back to God and or the cross? And especially when you're growing up in that, like, how does that make sense? Or how can I even um, make something out of this? And, you know, for me, in my situation, again, to your point, you you made such a great reference to the idea that the more that you think about your testimony, there are a lot of things that you pick out, you know, in hindsight, whatever that may be, or just even from God revealing things to you of like, oh, that's what that was. But even in mind, the idea of this redirection, like, as I mentioned, that I always felt was a cliche, like, if that didn't happen, and let's say that season or that moment goes the way that I wanted to, then right. like, we probably don't even start the podcast. Yeah, no, right? like, definitely not. And, it, and it, that sounds kind of odd, and I can't even take y'all through the entire, you know, step by step or how that all the dots connect. But there was a lot of subsequent things that happened from that particular moment of not feeling acknowledged or accepted, right? Like, right. we decided to transition to a new school after that year so I could play for another team. And during that moment, me and Jordan found a new church home, is, and that's where our relationship yeah. with God started. And from that, that transition was that much easier because now we're in a new environment where we're not bound by what people knew us as. And we get to now right. create like new friendships, new circles, um, new moments and memories to live. And then I had a reorientation on like my purpose because my identity was so shattered. I realized that basketball wasn't going to be it. Like what that was for me wasn't going to be the thing that sustained me. But if I would have continued down that trajectory, like who knows, right? Like it would have been the thing that was my driving force for everything, like my North star. And so that then led to all of these revelations. That thing brought me back to my knees to surrender, to give my life to God. And then everything else takes place. And so when I think about it, that's how it showed up in my life in terms of like how God even used that. And so I can think through all these things and be like, oh, okay, this is what you did there. Or even if it's not necessarily anything that God made happen, I see how you rerouted that and used that for your glory. And so for me, when I was just, you know, in reflection, I could see that in real time now of, oh, okay, that makes so much sense. So, yeah, I don't, <laughs> it's not what? funny. So, no, for, so you, right, that now, hindsight, looking back, do right. the dots connect? Does the story come together? Does it, does it add up to some extent from Almost definitely. what happened? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mo- most definitely. I think, hmm, she, that, that girl that had broke up, broke up with me. Like she was an idol in my life. And I think God knew that if I didn't end it with, no, I think God knew I wasn't going to end it with her because she was at that point in my life. And there's the thing, our relationship wasn't really the best. Like it wasn't a terrible relationship, but it wasn't really healthy for real. And God knew I wasn't going to leave her. I think she need, he knew she needed to leave me. Right. And if she didn't get off the throne, God would have never, you know, been on there in a sense. Right. So I think that is definitely something that played into it Um, on top of the fact that the relationship just wasn't good for me, bro. So it's like, I think in the moment you don't recognize that, like, like you're saying, but when you look back and you connect the dots, it's like, oh, like that led to this decision. And then that led to here, you know what I mean? And I think that even 
got me to a point of such a desperation that I needed to be at. Like when you're talking about when we moved churches, it was the summer of freshman year. And I know like that whole rest of that year after we broke up, I was just in such a fugue state, bro. Like I was just existing. Like I really felt like, bro, what's the point? Like I'm just walk I'm just waking up every day, going home, doing my schoolwork, watching TV, going to bed. Like it just felt so redundant, like meaningless. Like and I was at such a point of desperation, like, bro, what what is there, bro? Like what's what's going on? And I feel like that's good ground. Like that moments like that is a good ground for God's seed. And I think I needed to be there when we moved that summer to that new church. So when he planted that seed in me, it grew for the first time. Cause I have been to conferences. I had been to church and the seed was planted, but the ground wasn't good. Right. Cause we always talk about, it's not about the seed. It's about the soil you, you planted in. So I needed to get to that point because it, it, it tilled the ground for, for what God wanted to do. So looking back on it, that's definitely how. The dots connect. And you mentioned something. Oh, oh, yeah. You were talking about how it's not really linear all the time when it comes to like connecting the dots or when you're rejected or when God closes a door, which is something I want to speak to because that's so good. Because sometimes God closes a door that you didn't get to see behind. And sometimes it's. That's good, some, bro. Sometimes it's hard when that happens because it's like you don't really know what that could have led to why he closed it per se and it, that's difficult and i literally wrote down you know well we heard that we heard the saying sometimes like in, you know in our walk sometimes like god he'll give you the what before he gives you the why like sometimes i'm sure we've heard that before like he'll give you the what before he'll give you the why but sometimes he doesn't give you the why at all and he just gives you the what and then it's like yo you know and i was thinking about how Maybe the why is just who he is. Like the why is I'm holy. Like do this. Why? Because I'm holy. I think sometimes we want the why to be, oh, because this is going to do that for you. And this is going to be detrimental in this way for you. And I'm redirecting here so you can have this. It's about us, 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 us. And it's like, no, do this because I told you to do it. And I'm holy. Like, I think sometimes that needs to be the why. Because I said so for me. (laughs) You remember? I used to be hot. Because I said so. No, I ain't for real. Job, I ain't gonna bro. lie. That I ain't would, gonna lie. What our like, parents used to do that. That would irk me. I, I mean, said because I, I was said like so. about to get the suitcase. You know how you was about to run away I'm when you were t- a kid. Bro, that would do I it, bro. I'm like, so what? sick, bro. What and you they mean? Said it you so, said so arrogantly too. Like just assertive. They the tone was off as well. So but off, nah. bro. Yeah, that just that didn't <laughs> sit right with me ever when they said that. Um, <laughs> but no, that's what it is. It's like because I said so, and it's like. God can say that because he's ho- like he's literally holy. He he can do no wrong. And this is crazy. I was reading in Luke. I have a, I have I have Bible, okay? Cuz I know people are like, "Oh, you just know, I have Bible, I'm not chatting." So in Luke 1:18, right? I'm going to read this all the way through and then I'm going to explain what God showed to me in in the verse when I was reading it. So it says, "Zechariah asked the angel, "Oh, let me give you context. I, I always be doing that." Okay, so essentially this is in Luke when John the Baptist is about to be birthed and Zachariah is his father, right? So an angel comes to Zachariah and tells him like who his son is going to be. Like your wife's going to have a kid. He's going to be John the Baptist. He's going to do all of this. He's going to be the one that prepares the way, right? This is context for this. And then that's leading up until this verse. So Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Like how are we going to have a kid? Like, what are you talking about? He says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Right. So I read it all through. Now I'm going to explain what he says. So Zachariah poses a question. How can I be sure of this? Like, you're telling me all of this. Like, how do I know this is true? Like, you're just saying words. How do I know that I can believe you? The response that Gabriel gave him, he says, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent. Right. So he's saying, how can you be sure of this? You can be sure of this because not only who I am, but who I stand in the presence of. Like, that's that's your why. Like, because that's what he's doing. Zachariah is asking for his why. Like, why should I believe you, bro? And his why is because of who I am, bro. I'm Gabriel. Not only that, I stand in the presence of God. What do you mean why? Because you don't believe me, you're going to be silent until it happens. Like, and I don't know, that that really just speaks to what I just said. Your why needs to be because who God is. He's holy. That's exactly what Gabriel's speaking to. Like, why? Because I'm Gabriel and I stand before the, the holy, the holiest God. Like, what are you talking about? And that needs to be our mindset. Not, God, I need a why that's outside of you. Because you're saying that's not enough. Why isn't it enough? So I think sometimes that needs to be your mindset too. Because it is difficult when God tells you to do something and it's like, you ain't really giving me an explicit, like, this is where this road is going to lead. But you just need to rest assured in the fact that he can never fail you. And he'll never lead you astray. And he'll never lead you the wrong way. Um, so sometimes that's just the why. And you have to be okay with that. No, something you just said that was crazy. One, desperation mm. is good ground. It's the greatest good soil. Ground. Yeah. And that's real. And that's essentially was the that we were going through the, the the irony. We were going through a lot of the same things during that particular time that yeah. I don't even crazy. didn't even know or recognize until now. But that it was that same feeling. It was the seed or rather the message right mm. of who god is and who he was was always ever present in our life but like the season environment mindset that we were in had just changed and there was that level of desperation of desperation of it doesn't matter what it is i just need you to show need, up yeah. some way somehow right. um and you know he comes and we know he changes everything so that was crazy but also to your point yeah because i said so that's so crazy. Because I said That's so, tough. bro. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, yeah. And definitely just resting sure in that. It goes back to just like having that trust in him, looking at the history mm -hmm. that you have, um, and believing him anyway, even in the face of like what we see or can't see. I mentioned this so many times, but God sees what we don't and acts accordingly. Exactly. And we have to trust in that sight that he, he has. And you said something that was also insane a while ago about the fact that of the as the body we don't have sight of our own right mm -hmm. as the body of christ we don't have sight of our own so we must lean on or have faith in his to exactly. lead us and to guide us right mm -hmm. so that changes everything and then also the one of the biggest thing about this conversation that i've actually been coming across and having conversations about recently is the fact that this offense of rejection that it leaves us with can ultimately make us bitter. And a lot of our life can be lived through the lens of this other person and us being in the prison of right. the moment that they didn't accept us 
as I mentioned earlier, like it's like, yo, a lot of people are always in this revenge mentality of wanting to get back at this individual. Like, yo, my success is going to be assigned to that person. Oh, like that teacher that didn't believe in me or that coach who said I wouldn't amount to anything or my my parents or my family, my cousins, my friends that left me in the dark or didn't see me through to like my mountain whenever I was in the valley. Like our whole being is just dedicated to wanting to prove someone wrong. And a lot of successful people in the world and even within the church, a lot of their drive, ambition, and the reason they're at the levels they're at isn't because it was what they were truly interested in or they weren't driven by their real passion or what they were called to, but what they believed would be the biggest sign to someone else. And that's the mode that we can get into, right? Like, yo, like I want to be successful, not for success's sake or because of something I want to do. I know this is what God's calling me to. It's because I have to prove all the doubters wrong. And during that time, that's where I was at. Like it was, yo, I'm about to, this next season, I'm going to go insane, right? Like everything that I do, every accolade, every level that I advance, I want to make sure that they see it. They need to know. Okay. And all the meanwhile, they don't care. They're not even thinking about you. So you're living in the prison of people who don't, aren't even acknowledging you, don't even know the offense that they've taken against you. And so it's, it's, you know, I can't remember. I don't know if it's comparison or maybe it's envy people talk about. It's like, it's something, it's like a poison. It's something that you don't do to anyone else but yourself. And it's the same with this resentment that we hold and how we live this out. Um, when we talk about like trying to get back on people. And uh, and I also came across this message that someone had mentioned to me. And it was talking about when we have a what about them mentality. And essentially, like when we're living through life through the narrative or perspective of like, oh, well, like, what about them? Like, why don't, why do they have that and I don't have this? Like, how did they get that success? And I'm over here and I'm diligent and I'm like, you know, disciplined and I haven't reached that level. Or in this context of like, all right, like, what about them in the sense of like, oh, like, do they see this? Like, am I able to prove them wrong? Do they know the way that they rejected me and the mistake that they made, essentially, right? And, and then the note attached to this was essentially the idea that God is light. And the verses First John 1, 5, that just says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And then it continues to say the fact that in the dark, all objects look alike. Your perception is skewed. And in the light, what is good and what is evil and from the devil can be clearly distinguished. Um, and so whenever I believe you're operating from this place of having to prove someone wrong, coming from your heart being filled with resentment, um, not yeah, resentment, you're living in the dark. And you don't know who the real enemy is. And so like everything that you do is just like sporadic. It's not with line with purpose. And you can't even be on the right path because you can't see anything. Right. There's nothing that nothing is distinguishable. And you're just in this tunnel 
right? Because it is it's a prison, it's a jail. It is you are locked in this place where you are moving a thousand miles per hour, but have no idea where you're going. You know, and so that's why, like, all right, the whole idea of like prove your haters wrong and having that is a good like motivator or starter, but it never lasts. And you always burn out and you find yourself in a place where it's never enough, right? Because you can never prove this person, like, you can never prove this person right enough, right? And you're just chasing something so like meaningless. And so I thought that was important to the convo because. I think that's what it can, that bitterness can lead to. It's like, oh, you know, even after breakups, a lot of people are like, oh, well, like, I'm going to sure. make sure I prove them wrong. You're going to be on the gram on your story, intentionally making these posts, posting this out with the girls, out with the boys, hoping that they see it. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, they kicking it. They chill. They chilling, bro. They and it's chilling. something that you're just doing to yourself. And so even in yeah. all of this, in terms of redirection, God wants to take away that weight. That's such um, a burden to take mm-hmm. on in terms of w- even afterwards still wanting them to see you and in ma- your whole being and existence being for and or to them having to acknowledge you. But coming into the fact of it is him and him alone that sees me, loves me. And when we talk about rejection, you know, the cure to this is acceptance. But getting acceptance from someone who will 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 never, but getting acceptance from someone who will never reject you again. No, exactly. And I think the way the way I've always looked at that mindset is like trying to you know get back at this person or prove them wrong. It's just like it's it's. I mean, like you said, I, you're just still seeking for their acceptance without them in the picture. I think some of mm-hmm. us get to the point where it's like, yo, you're you're searching for acceptance from this person and you'll never get it. Like, you know, especially with people who are just really out the picture, like maybe even for some of us, it's parents or for some of us, it's old, like old relationships. And we done moved away. It's like, we're never going to see these people again. Right. And you're just living for something that you'll never get. And it's like, you have to get to the point where you recognize it's just, it's pointless. Like it's, it's pointless. So I have to, instead of searching for the acceptance, I'll never get, I have to recognize the acceptance that I already have in Christ. So, yeah, I I just, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, and I think it also goes almost parallel to this idea of forgiveness that we always talk about yeah. when we hear that that isn't for the person, it's for you. Yeah. And so, like, when we talk about this closure in terms of coming to terms with what was, accepting what is, and what we already have, that's for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no matter whether they see you or not, you know that you're seen, that you're loved, like that you are you like in Christ alone. And that's mm-hmm. enough, right? No matter what someone does or doesn't do, says or does not say, right? Like that doesn't have to be the end of me. And I think that's right. really the message. Like even through all of that, that doesn't have to be totality of who you are or yeah the or the overwhelming part of your story or what affects mm-hmm. you or what determines anything in your life and so coming to that it's also one of the biggest things and Most definitely. obviously with all of it changes it all um yeah but yes yeah, it's, it's that redirection redirection man you got you got anything else Man, 
No, I, but I did. I want to make sure, you know, the, the point about the why, like the why, because even, even if you'll understand, you know, the specific why and be able to connect the dot to a year from now, six months from now, five years from now, what is going to be able to hold you over right now when you don't know the why? And I mean, looking back on it, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like looking back on it, I think implicitly, I didn't, maybe I, I wouldn't have worded it like this back then, but I was just trusting that God was holy. Like I didn't, uh, when I was six months, seven months removed from that moment, even a year removed from that moment, I still didn't get it. I didn't understand it, but I still just had trust. Like, God, I trust you. When you said, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I trust that. Like, that's what it is. It's like, I, the why is because you're holy and I believe you. And, you know, I think there's people right now listening to this who are still in a season where they don't understand the why. And I just want you to lean on that. Like, God is holy and he, will, he won't lead you astray. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Yeah, that's the one. Just trusting in the redirection and then knowing whose you are and just keeping keeping that at the forefront of your mind and just also continuing to walk through that. Because, again, it's not linear. It doesn't happen, like, within a day. Um but we know where we can find our rest, even in the pain of all of that, like the process, right? Like God can handle that gray, right? The gray is like during like the start of the process to the destination. Like that's what I, the, the gray is, right? God can handle that. And he wants to comfort yeah. you like in that and give mm-hmm. you that rest like for your soul. And so right. although like we have hope, and that faith in the redirection of when we get to the destination at the end, when we're talking like this and can connect the dots, even in it, like he's present as well. That And yeah. I actually mentioned, uh, was thinking about this as soon as I woke up today, and this will be the last thing I say. And it just was the fact that Christians have an issue because we believe we have a God that sits on the throne, but not one who walks with us. We believe a God for heaven, but not one who is ever present with us on earth. And even in the pain of rejection, it's hard to see the end goal of what can happen. But although that is true, what we can rest assured is that he is there in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not exactly. just, oh, I'll get you through. Like, I'm going to get. It's not, and it's not just I'm going to get you to the other side. Like I'm going to actually help you get through it as well. So, right, yeah, the gift of rejection. Yep, the gift. The gift of rejection. There's always something more in what God's going to bring out of it. Always. Mm-hmm. So, y'all know what it is. It's all love, man. Jordan, you got anything? Always. You you good, bro? Yeah, I'm straight man. feeling good, bro. About to head off to work, man. <laughs> hey. You feel me? You All right, feel y'all. Me? But you know, y'all know what it is. Stay you. Stay real. And stay humble. We'll catch y'all Friday. Much love.